Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labour and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. And so here we have a statement of the fourth commandment. And we note how it declares that the whole of society is under an obligation to keep it. The whole of society. Parents must encourage their children to keep it. Masters must ensure that their servants keep it. Strangers who take up residence in the land, who may come from a completely different culture, they must also keep it. So the Sabbath is to be observed as an obligation upon all. Not even the kings of Israel were exempt. Indeed, they had to set an example. It was not good enough for them to lay aside their normal royal duties, but then expect their servants to carry on working for them as on any other day. It was the Sabbath day for the servants as well. So the commandment sets apart this day as sacred and uniquely different from the other days of the week. It must not be profaned by trade and commerce or any other unnecessary normal labour. Now we need to realise just how seriously God regards the breaking of the fourth commandment. This is why we read earlier from Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah 17 and verse 27. If ye will not hearken unto me to hallow the Sabbath day, and not to bear a burden, even entering in at the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. Then will I kindle a fire in the gates thereof, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. So to ignore the fourth commandment leads to the unquenchable fire of the wrath of God. God tells the people of Judah through Jeremiah that national disaster awaits them if they keep on going in and out of the city gates 
doing their normal business on the Sabbath day. And so we see here how the ignoring of the fourth commandment is particularly singled out by the Lord as bringing down national judgment. Palaces of Jerusalem will be destroyed. The capital city. Now the Lord gives a reason for this commandment. He gives a reason. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And so here we have the origin of Sabbath observance. And this will help us to realise its true importance. It is far older than the Ten Commandments themselves. It goes back to the very beginning of time. Sabbath observance was instituted to mark the completion of the earth's creation in six 24-hour days. In Genesis 2 and verse 2, we read, On the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work. So after six days, God looked upon the world which he had made and he looked upon the pinnacle of his creation, namely the man made in his own image. And he saw that it was all good. And he therefore set apart the seventh day for the man to enjoy a special time of fellowship with him and to honour him as the creator. Now we are told that God rested on the seventh day. Now this resting, of course, does not mean that God was weary. God is not man and neither slumbers nor sleeps. The word rest refers to God having ceased from his creative activity. He, as it were, stands back and looks upon the earth and man with a perfect satisfaction. So the Sabbath day has this unique significance of marking God's finished work of creation. And it has had this significance ever since the world began. There has never been a time in all history when this has not been the day when man was meant to give glory to God for both creating 
and subsequently redeeming him. Because man soon rebelled after his creation. Now, some people sadly argue that with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no longer any need to observe this Old Testament ordinance at all. The coming of Christ, however, did not set aside God's moral law, of which the fourth commandment is a part. Our Lord's coming set aside the civil and ceremonial laws associated with temple worship and with the Old Testament theocracy of Israel. But the Sabbath is an eternal principle dating from the beginning of time. It is fundamental to man's existence. Following the French Revolution and the Russian Revolution, both those atheistic movements endeavoured to change the principle of a day of rest, one day in seven. They tried it. They tried ten days, for example, a day of rest every tenth day. And it didn't work. Human beings are wired up to rest one day in seven. That is how God has made us. Now, has the nature of man changed since the beginning of time? Has the nature of man changed since the Old Testament period? Does man no longer need to remember his creator and give him glory as he once had to do? Have we in the New Testament period lost the privilege of a special day of rest and worship? We are told that the new covenant is far better than the old. So have we lost, under the new covenant, the privilege of this special day which they had under the old covenant? Has the coming of our Lord into this world rendered any of the other Ten Commandments obsolete? Why the fourth? If we are human beings, then we are under an obligation to set apart the Sabbath day as holy. Because all people are the creatures of God. And so somebody might say, well, I'm not a Christian. It doesn't apply to me. Well, the biblical principle is that all must observe this day. Now, under the law of Moses, there were various days of rest to be observed in addition to the weekly Sabbath. There were special Sabbaths for the feasts of Passover, Pentecost, trumpets, tabernacles, and the Day of Atonement. These were not seventh-day Sabbaths. 
but they fell on any day of the week, according to the set day in the year upon which the feast fell. Now, it is these Sabbaths that the New Testament believer no longer observes. But we do observe the weekly Sabbath. Those other Sabbaths were part of the ceremonial law, which has now passed away. The weekly Sabbath, however, is a completely different matter. It is not part of the temporal, temporary ceremonial law, which Moses introduced. It is part of God's moral law, which is eternal. So to observe the weekly Sabbath is to keep the Ten Commandments, which have never been set aside. And if we break one part of God's law, we're guilty of breaking all of God's law. The need to keep the commandments is written upon the heart of every true believer in Christ. Therefore, the born-again Christian will love to keep the fourth commandment. He will delight to keep the Sabbath day holy. Now, of course, something has changed since the Old Testament period. And that is the day of the week on which the Sabbath is to be observed. The Lord Jesus Christ called himself the Lord of the Sabbath day in Matthew 12 and verse 8. Remember, he was there at the very beginning of time creating the world. It was he, as part of the eternal Godhead, who first instituted the Sabbath in honour of his creating work. It is Christ's prerogative, therefore, as the eternal Son of God, to change the day of observance, to mark his second great work of creation, namely that of raising dead sinners to life. On the first day of the week, on the third day after his death, our Lord raised himself up from the dead. He did so as one who had been bearing the sins of the world. This raising up was a work of recreation, a work of restoring life to man, the life which Adam, by his sin, had forfeited. So just as when Adam was first created and the seventh-day Sabbath was instituted, so with the resurrection, Sabbath day was changed to the first day of the week to mark God's work of re-creation. It was on this day that man's re-creation 
and salvation from eternal death were accomplished. And so on the Christian Sabbath, the believer in Christ not only glorifies God for his creation of the earth, but also for his work of recreation, his redemption of sinners, his making all men new who believe in him. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. And so the day of resurrection marks the new creation, just as the seventh day of the week marked the initial creation. Now, when the Lord rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples upon that same day, the first day of the week. And then in John 20 and verse 26, we are told that he appeared to them exactly a week later. Again, on the first day of the week. Mere coincidence? And so the Lord's disciples immediately began setting aside the first day of the week as the day on which they gather together to honour their Saviour. We read earlier in Acts 20, Acts 20 and verse 7, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. Writing to the Corinthians, Paul states this in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. Now Paul is organising monetary relief for the needy Christians in Jerusalem. And he asked the Corinthians to make a collection for them. And as he asks them, he assumes that they are already meeting together upon the first day of the week. The Apostle John says this in Revelation 1 and verse 10. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. This again refers to the first day of the week, the day of resurrection. The Bishop of Antioch, Ignatius, was martyred in about AD 115. And he probably knew the Apostle John personally. He wrote this. Let every one that loveth Christ keep holy the first day of the week, the Lord's day, the resurrection day, the queen and chief of all the days of the week. Interestingly, God also chose 
the first day of the week for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon the Gentiles. The Feast of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit came upon the disciples and anointed them with power as a sign also that the Spirit would be shed abroad upon all nations because they, they began to speak with other tongues. When did that happen? It happened on the first day of the week. Exactly seven weeks after the day of the resurrection. So here we have further confirmation of the special honour which God was now placing upon the first day of the week. Now we have already stated that to keep the Sabbath day holy is part of God's moral law which is for all time. Just as the seventh commandment about adultery still prevails in the New Testament period, so does the fourth commandment. Therefore, all people today remain under an obligation to keep the fourth commandment. Now, we have seen, as we particularly looked at the book of Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 17, that ignoring the Sabbath day is a national issue as well as a personal issue. The ignoring of the commandment incurs the anger of Almighty God upon a nation. It therefore follows that 21st century Britain must at this very moment be under the wrath of God. Because throughout the post-war period, this nation has been attacking the sanctity of the Christian Sabbath. In 1958, we saw the repeal of the Sunday Observance Act. And this cleared the way for sporting events to take place on Sundays. And then there was the Sunday Theatre Act of 1972. And then this was followed by the Sunday Trading Act of 1994, which allowed shops to open more generally. And it allowed larger shops of over 3,000 square feet to open up for six hours upon the Lord's Day. And so I go to any supermarket today, large supermarket, and you will find it open on the Lord's Day. What must never be forgotten, however, is that it is Almighty God who gave us the fourth commandment. What must never be forgotten is that God 
controls the economic situation of a nation. You see, many people have argued about the relaxation of the Sunday trading laws, that it would be good for the economy. Or else they have argued, it's what people want, it's what people want. And but this is where one can begin to make an idol out of democracy. Because God has told us in his word that righteousness exalts a nation. And righteousness in God's sight includes keeping all the commandments. Now, quite often we will see signs on commercial premises announcing open seven days a week, implying that this is a real benefit and attraction. But, you know, those signs might just as well be declaring this is the 21st century. We are now so enlightened that we no longer need the archaic laws of God. That's what they're saying. Well, let us go back to 1958, that first repeal of Sunday trading legislation. The opposition of the churches to the desecration of the Christian Sabbath has not been particularly strong or vociferous. Now, many have rightly argued for the importance of a special family day. But that's not the primary argument, as important as a family day is. What needs to be emphasised is the fact that Sunday trading represents direct disobedience to Almighty God. That's the issue. Unnecessary commercial activity on the Lord's Day is direct disobedience to God. And what more, what is more, it represents a national repudiation of the Christian faith. That is how serious it is. You see, the definition of a Christian is someone who has received the Holy Spirit upon believing in Christ. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to write the law of God on the believer's heart. Now, part of the law of God includes the fourth commandment. So the true Christian will delight in keeping the Sabbath day holy. Not only for his own benefit, but because he desires to obey God. We read in verse 10 here. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. So the commandment states that servants must rest on the Sabbath day. 
It therefore follows that it is wrong for Christians to cease working themselves on the Lord's Day, but then to go out to commercial establishments to purchase the services of others to work for their convenience or comfort. Now, we're not talking about absolutely essential and necessary and emergency services here. Services and commercial activity which is non-essential. It is also important to emphasise that the Lord's Day lasts for the whole day. It does not finish at noon. If we look at modern Britain, we note with sadness how many churches have abandoned their evening services. To come into God's house and to meet with his people is the highest of all privileges. A born-again believer should never look upon it as an onerous task or as a tedious obligation. It's the greatest of all privileges. It's the finest and most exalted of all human activities to worship God and in particular upon his special day for doing so. Let us rejoice in our privilege. The Jews entitled Psalm 92 a psalm for the Sabbath day. And Psalm 92 begins like this. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Now, of course, some people, as we know, have to work on Sundays, on the Lord's Day, because of the essential or emergency nature of their work. But even Christians whose jobs make some working on the Lord's Day inevitable, even in those situations, the believer will still try and do what he can or she can to honour the Lord's Day. Because it is vital for the good of our souls. In Jeremiah 17 and verse 25, Judah is told that obedience to the fourth commandment will lead to national blessing. That is how important it is. The royal throne will be secure and glorious. No enemies will be able to overcome the nation. There will be general national prosperity. Now this is a principle which still applies today. God is still in control of the nations. And so observing the fourth commandment will lead to all kinds of political, social and economic benefits for the nation. Because God honours those who honour him. And the Sabbath day is all about honouring God. That's what it's about. And to keep 
The Lord's day holy is good for each one of us personally. It will greatly enhance our personal walk with the Lord. We simply cannot afford to neglect it. Indeed, the Lord makes Sabbath observance a barometer of people's attitude to him. By it, he discerns where people really stand. Those who keep the fourth commandment will be those who are faithfully serving God in all other areas of their lives. But if the Sabbath is being ignored, being regarded as something not that important, then there will inevitably be a decline in devotion and love to God as well. That, that is how important it is to keep the Sabbath day holy. Uh, the great Puritan commentator Matthew Henry writes this, The streams of all true religion run either deep or shallow, as the banks of the Sabbath are kept up or neglected. The streams of all true religion run either deep or shallow, as the banks of the Sabbath are kept up or neglected. So a casual attitude to the Lord's day will frequently be indicative of shallow and lukewarm faith. John Newton described the Lord's day like this, day of all the weak the best, emblem of eternal rest, reminding us that this day has been instituted for our good and as a wondrous blessing to us. The world simply does not know what it is missing out on. But if you noticed how the world loves to use the Lord's Day for its big events, what day of the week do they always hold the World Cup final on? The Lord's Day. Something very, very special about the Lord's Day is this. It's meant to be a foretaste of heaven. That is why it is so special. This day, therefore, should be our chief delight. And so we do not keep this day holy out of any tedious legalistic motive. We keep it holy because we delight in this day. We keep it holy because it blesses us. And we keep it holy because it brings blessing on our nation as well. Amen. Oh,